Super Regionals for College Baseball are this weekend, and there's nine projected first-round picks whose seasons aren't over yet. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, College baseball is down to 16 teams left alive whose seasons are not over. Super regionals are this weekend, best of three series starting either Friday or Saturday. And there are nine projected first round picks in these, like amongst these 16 teams. So if you're looking for pure star power, uh, you've got to go to Baton Rouge to the number, f- like to, to number five LSU hosting number 12, Kentucky. That series starts on Saturday at 3 p.m. broadcast on ESPN. And LSU not only has two first-round picks, or projected first-round picks, they have projected top five picks, including who we think will be the number one overall player in outfielder Dylan Cruz. 61 games this year for Dylan Cruz. 432, 573, 736. 17 home runs. 32 extra base hits, 61 walks to 40 strikeouts, and 6 of 6 on stolen bases. Defensively, he should be able to stick in center field. The speed is good. The glove is good. If not, the arm is strong enough to play a a pretty good right field. Offensively, uh, just probably one of the the higher-rated hit tools in the entire draft. 70-grade hit tool. He had some swing and miss concerns after the first couple seasons. And he's definitely answered those. The swing is quick into the zone, and he gets very good results against all pitch types. Whether it's fastballs, he's really good with elite velocity, those 9,900 miles an hour kind of things. Uh, Elite spin, very good at recognizing out of the hand, as well as hitting against elite spin, off speed, things like that. Feel really good. The power ceiling is probably a 60 grade. It's something where, again, 17 home runs, 32 extra base hits in 61 games, so more than one every other game. When I saw him in person, I think he had one hit in the entire series, and it was a single. Just a bad weekend for him. Outside of that, he's absolutely destroyed against all competition that he's faced. So Dylan Cruz feels like a pretty slam dunk, if not number one, then that's because of money. And he's probably a top three pick either way. I don't think he would fall past three. Washington may fall in love with the next guy, Paul Skeens. I just don't see Dylan Cruz falling out of that top five. On that second guy, right-hand pitcher Paul Skeens, 16 starts on the year, 11-2 with a 1-9-0 ERA in 99 in the third innings, 179 strikeouts, so 16.2 strikeouts per nine to 17 walks, 1.5 per nine, and seven home runs allowed. He was, entering the season, he was seen as a draftable prospect as both a pitcher and a hitter. He was a DH at Air Force for two years, played a little field. I think he plays in first base too. But this year has focused solely on pitching and 
It's because he's really, really good at pitching. His fastball is probably the best fastball in the draft. Sits 98, touches 102. He has both two-seam and four-seam versions of it. I've watched him pump 99-mile-an-hour two-seamers. His one star, I think he went 110 pitches. His 109th pitch was a 99-mile-an-hour two-seamer. So he can hold that velocity all the way through for quite a while. Uh, the, the slider, I'd call it a, probably a 70 grade slider sits in the mid to upper eighties. And then, you know, it's like that kind of classic two plane break on the slider. And then he has a change up sits 89 to 90. I've seen some, some amazing stuff out of there just as far as, um, his ability to pound the zone and then specifically to locate all of these pitches. I feel like a lot of change up guys can't necessarily land that change up for a strike at will. I've watched him throw three consecutive changeups to the exact same spot of the zone or three consecutive sliders to that exa- exact same down and away corner. So uh, the, the performance that I saw of him, I don't say it was seven innings, uh, nine or 10 strike, no, like, it's like 14 strikeouts uh, versus Auburn, probably one of his best starts of the year. But either way, Paul Skeens has the feel of a future number one Uh, It feels like it's kind of rare to get guys this good already out of college. I don't necessarily know how much work there is to do other than maybe acclimating to the every five day schedule that a professional pitcher is on versus the once a week schedule that a college hitter is on. But Skeens has shown the ability to go deep in the games. He actually came back after pitching Friday night for LSU and regionals and he pitched a little bit, I believe, on Monday. So he totally can come back and do more of it. The third guy is not in this regional, but the other projected top pick. Uh, Number two, Florida is hosting number 15, South Carolina. And uh, projected top five overall pick, he's in that group of top five guys, Wyatt Langford, the outfielder from the University of Florida. 56 games last year, or this season. 387, 511, 799 slugging, 18 home runs, 45 extra base hits, again in 56 games, so surprisingly close to one every game. 50 walks to 38 strikeouts, 8 and 9 on stolen bases. I think he has probably the highest power ceiling of, of any player in this draft and the best odds of actually being able to hit that power ceiling. Uh, I'd give his power somewhere between a 65 and a 70. I've seen I've seen both, but he just hits absolute tanks to all fields. He's not restricted to just pull side power or catching a short porch. He can go opposite field. He can put a home run any essentially anywhere he wants to do it. I'm pretty sure I've seen him hit home runs down both lines in the same series, down the right the right field line and the left field line. So, can absolutely hit tanks and the approach is very good. I think you have to give him at least a, uh, a, a plus grade on his hit tool, something where above average to, to plus, really good at getting his hands into the zone quickly and getting his hands through the zone. So very quick swing, very quick to the zone, and then the bat kind of lingers in the zone uh, with that kind of laggy, whippy action as the hands accelerate ahead of it. I think the approach is very good. The pitch recognition is there. And I just, I've been very impressed with Wyatt Langford as far as the ability to get that power 
in two games. Uh, I think defensively, like he, he played third base and catcher in high school. He's played mostly left field, played a little bit of center field, but mostly left field. It's probably going to end up being a corner outfielder at the next level. I don't necessarily see him. They had good defenders at Florida, but I still, if they weren't trying him in center field that often, I, I don't feel like he's going to be a center fielder at the major league level. But you got, you got to let him try because he's just always been next to really good defenders in that Florida outfield. So you never know. You may get a little more out of it than you expect. In just a minute, we're going to get into a couple pitchers and a catcher, including one guy who we thought was going to be the first pitcher taken. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. If you're seeing that your game is, your major league game is canceled this weekend because of uh, the wildfires and the smoke and all of that, and you're thinking, hey, maybe I'll go on a road trip and I'll go drive to one of these super regionals that's nearby. So you've got to check out Game Time. It's the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for whatever sport or, you know, comedy, theater shows, concerts, whatever it may be. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, and the best part is they have the game time guarantee. You'll always get the best price, because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid on game time, they will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. If you go this weekend to Winston Salem, North Carolina, you're going to go get to see number 16 Alabama take on national number one Wake Forest. This Wake Forest pitching staff is absolutely filthy. Tons of fantastic guys on this staff, and they are led by Rhett Lauder. Uh, Rhett Lauder is one physically imposing. He's from what I understand, he's pretty tall, but uh, reigning ACC pitcher of the year started 16 games this year, got decisions in 14 of them, all wins. So 14 and 0 with a 3.35 ERA and 101 and two thirds innings, had 125 strikeouts, so 11.1 per nine, to 20 walks, 1.8 per nine, and seven home runs allowed. Now there is some conversation about the overall ceiling. For Rhett Lauder because not everybody's uh, in love with his stuff and what he necessarily does. So uh, the fastball I've got as an above average fastball sits 92 to 95. He can run it up to 98, but it is more of a two seamer than a four seamer. So rather than having that run up in the zone, it has that kind of sink on it that helps induce a lot of ground balls. It pairs up really well with his changeup, which is at least plus, if not better, probably one of the two best changeups in this class, sits in the mid 80s and just has fade out of the zone. But like uh, the scouting report that I that I was reading about it recently called it a parachute. It has a late parachute. It just drops like right before it gets to the plate. So very very hard to barrel up that changeup correctly. To go along with it, he has a slider. It's probably above average. It's in the low 80s. It's got more vertical break than sweep to it. It's still too plain, but it's it's kind of it's it's still dropping down and kind of going out a little bit versus just the vertical drop in the other direction of the changeup. So uh, you have a fastball which is going to sink, and then you've got two pitches between the changeup and the slider 
that are both going to drop and run in opposite directions. It's a really tough profile as far as squaring something up. He's really good at pitching backwards off of the slider in the changeup. So we talked about that on Monday's show about how fastball heavy isn't always in vogue right now. He's very good at pitching backwards with that slider and changeup. Does a really good job. I like how he can use the changeup against both lefties and righties. He's very confident in where he can place it, his control and command of it. And so I like Rhett Louder a lot, but MLB Pipeline does note that there are, like right now, sinking fastballs instead of fastballs that stay up in the zone and uh, sliders that aren't sweepers aren't really the hot pitches right now. And so they question how enthusiastic teams are going to be to get him. I still think Rhett Lauder is one of the five best pitchers in this draft. Uh, I'm not worried about that if I'm taking him, even given my proclivities against changeups because I feel like they're the least effective of the pitches. I still just, Rhett Lauder is a special player uh, and anybody who takes him is going to be very excited that they got him. Number seven, Virginia is hosting Duke beginning on Friday. Uh, I think that game starts at noon on ESPN2. But you're going to get to see catcher Kyle Teal from the University of Virginia. 60 games this year, 423, 487, 690. 13 home runs, 38 extra base hits. Again, in 60 games, he had 38 extra base hits. 30 walks to 33 strikeouts and 4 or 5 on stolen bases. Stolen base number isn't anything like amazing, 4 or 5. But he's incredibly athletic for a catcher. He's played some outfield. He could probably play second base or third base. Like, he is a very, very good athlete. The arm is easily plus. He uses that athleticism to block really well. He's pretty good at using his body, getting his body in front of the ball rather than just using the glove. So it feels like it's sustainable as he goes up and faces and is catching pitchers with better stuff. I have the same questions about game calling that I have with almost any catcher now, simply because I don't know if Virginia lets him call his own game or not. And... The pre- we, we always talk about prep catchers are behind on game calling because they typically don't call games in high school and or in the showcases. In a lot of cases in college, it's the same way too. So I'm curious as to whether or not he is able to call his own games. I just don't know that. So maybe a little bit of a learning curve there, but either way, uh, love Kyle Teal's defense. Offensively, I think the hit tool is somewhere between above average and plus. I do have questions about the power ceiling. And that is solely because he's had seasons where he was trying to hit for a high average, and he's had seasons where he was trying to hit for power, and I just don't quite know how well he's going to balance those two. He did a, I feel like he did a decent job this year of balancing not selling out for power, but not just spraying singles everywhere, trying to ride that line. And I still feel like the development could go either direction. He could focus on hitting for power, or he could focus on being a contact hitter, but it feels like if everything went correctly with the development, he can be a catcher who bats 280, you know, with 15, 20 home runs, which would be incredibly amazing because of just how poor uh, offense is in general from most catchers. So like Kyle Teal a lot. The, the only one of these guys that I've mentioned so far that's not actually hosting their own regional is University of Tennessee. They're going to Southern Mississippi after Tennessee won the Clemson Regional and Southern Mississippi won the Auburn Regional. So they're going to Hattiesburg. You're going to get to see right-hand pitcher Chase Dollander of the University of Tennessee. 15 games last year, 6-6, six six, 
450 ERA in 78 innings with 111 strikeouts, or 12.8 per nine, to 27 walks, 3.1 per nine, 13 home runs allowed. Going into this season, Chase Dollander was considered to be probably one of the first pitchers off the board, if not the number one overall pick. It was a conversation. Would it be Dylan Cruz? Would it be Chase Dollander? And Dollander struggled a little bit this year at times. The command and the control hasn't always been there. The stuff has wavered in effectiveness. So he's fallen back a little bit. He's still a first-round pick. He's still probably top 15 picks, but he's no longer in the conversation for that number one or number three spot. Uh, the fastball sits in the mid-90s. Mid he can run it up to 98 or so. He's got a, a slider in the mid-80s. It's mostly a sweeper. It does have a little more drop than a conventional sweeper, but most of the movement is still horizontal. So it's something where it might look like it's coming for your head and it'll end up in the zone for a strike, the other, the other side of the zone for a strike. Because again, a lot of horizontal movement uh, but a little bit of drop in there as well. And then the curveball sits in the low 80s. He also has a change in the mid 80s. And again, just the, the quality of the stuff has just wavered a little bit this year. I don't know if he was playing through something, if it was just, he just wasn't, like, I don't know exactly what happened. But he didn't look as crisp this year as he did last year. And so that's kind of why the ERA is at four and a half. That's why he's sitting there with, you know, three walks per uh, per nine innings and 13 home runs given up is just because the stuff hasn't always been there for him and he hasn't always been able to locate the stuff. In just a minute, I've got three more guys that we should be excited about, including two infielders who are probably best suited to playing third base. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Listen, these shorts will make you look good, okay? The fabric, this is not like usual khaki fabric. It's this cloud knit fabric that Bird Dogs literally invented, okay? It looks like khaki, but it stretches. It drapes really well. The cut is flattering because it's designed to be a little bit slimmer on the thigh and leg. You can show off the hard work you put in in the gym, but the fabric is softer, is more flexible than the stiff kind of cotton that you normally see in khakis. And what's great is because it's this fancy fabric that they created, it also had like it's it's sweat wicking with like anti-stink stuff in there. So it can help you stay cool and dry all day. I've been wearing mine all the time. They feel fantastic to the point that I've already gone out and bought more. I can't tell you the names of what they're called. I literally cannot say them on this show, but you got to go check it out at birddogs.com. If you're, when you're going, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB, enter promo code LockedOnMLB for a free gift with your order. They have a Bird Dogs branded Yeti style tumbler, so they're not only going to protect the boys, they're protecting the beverage too. Birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. You will not want to take these shorts off because they are the most comfortable shorts in the world. Okay. Last couple regionals here, super regionals here. Stanford is hosting, or number eight Stanford is hosting Texas out in California. Uh, that starts on Saturday. I think they're playing the late game, like 6 p.m. or something. And so it's a chance to see Tommy Troy. One elite baseball name. Tommy Troy is absolutely, you can picture that dude in your head right now. 
with the eye black and everything, absolutely a uh, absolutely a great baseball name. But 53 games this year for Tommy Troy, 411, 489, 738, 17 home runs, 37 extra base hits, 30 walks to 37 strikeouts, 17 to 20 on stolen bases. I think offensively, it's above average hit tool. He's got plus power. And what's great is he can tap into it going to all fields. I don't know if he's going to stick at shortstop. I've got him as probably a, a, a third baseman. I've seen him listed second base some places. I've seen conversations about he's athletic enough and the arm's good enough to move to the outfield, play some center field. I just, I don't think he's going to be a shortstop at the major league level. He's fine now, but it feels like you're going to have defenders that are better than him. And so I very much could see Tommy Troy again kicking out to third. I'd rather have him there. And he very much would fit the profile of a power hitting corner outfielder. Again, really good with the hit tool. Uh, I haven't seen him a ton against very good velocity, but I think he would be fine just based on what I have seen of his at-bats. And again, the power absolutely plays, and it plays in all parks. It plays to, uh, to all fields, and probably is going to translate just fine to a, to a wood bat. The other infielder, another guy who I think is going to have to get moved to third base, uh, is Braden Taylor of TCU. They are hosting number 14 Indiana State in a... Super regional that Indiana State should have hosted. They were going to host it. I believe there is some sort of event in town, like a Special Olympics thing. All the hotels are gone. The ballpark and all that stuff's being used. And so TCU is getting to host. But as I understand, TCU fans went out and made a bunch of donations to to the Special Olympics and all of that. So great little gesture there since they couldn't go to Terre Haute. Uh, But for Brayden Taylor, 61 games this year. 321, 440, 671, 23 home runs, 37 extra base hits, 49 walks to 52 strikeouts. I think he's the only guy on this list that had more strikeouts than walks. 14 of 14 on stolen bases. The reason I think Braden Taylor had more strikeouts than walks is because the swing is really geared towards like line drives, right? It it is a very smooth swing geared towards line drives to all fields. And the power is very much in the pull side. So when he's trying to hit for power, he's deliberately selling out to pull a ball and send it out. 23 home runs. He did that plenty, but 52 strikeouts in 61 games, the approach can get a little off at times. And when that happens, he's susceptible to swing and miss and or getting fooled on He thinks this pitch is going to be inside and he can get his hands in and turn on it and it breaks away from him and now he's swung and missed because of he put a power swing on a ball that really should not should have just been shot the other way down the line for a double. Uh, I think his arm is really good. That's why I have him uh, kicking out to third base. The range is okay. He'll probably start off at shortstop. Uh, Can also play second base. The hands are good enough for second. I do think he's more valuable at third base. And it's all about working on the approach to get him where he can comfortably sell out for power without sacrificing too much contact ability. So that's kind of the big thing with Braden Taylor. Some folks are really down on him for the strikeouts. I think it's fine. It's just definitely something you have to watch out for. The last guy here uh, is Hurston Waldrop, right-hand pitcher for the University of Florida. So he's also at the same super as Wyatt Langford. 
And he's actually, he transferred in from Southern Miss. Southern Miss is going to, is doing the Tennessee Regional. We talked about that already. Tanner Hall of Southern Miss, got to watch him last week, and he's a fantastic pitcher as well who's going to be in this draft. I just think he's going to be a little bit behind the first round or else he'd have been in this show too. But Waldrop transfers to the University of Florida, 16 starts, 8-3, and 4-5-4 ERA in 85 and a third innings, 129 strikeouts, 13.6 per nine, 246 walks, 4.9 per nine, and 12 home runs allowed. And I think moving to the SEC in a tougher conference with tougher competition did a little bit of, exacerbated some of the issues that he has had with controlling and commanding his stuff. He's a super athletic guy, but there is some effort in the delivery. And so that's where you see uh, like the fastball, which is a very good fastball. It can run it up to 99, sits 96, 97 or so, but the command sometimes gets iffy because he's having to put too much into it to get it and maintain that velocity. His splitter might be the single best pitch in the draft. I mean, it's probably like Skeens' fastball is up there, uh, Louder's changeup, and Waldrop's splitter. So very effective pitch, at least a 70 grade. And, and everything about it is just spot on. The tunnel, the movement, it is exactly the same as the fastball out of the hand. And then halfway to the plate is when it starts to diverge. And by then it's too late. I love watching this Hurston Waldrop splitter. He has a slider. I think it's a plus slider. Not everybody's as high on it. Sits in the upper 80s. Kind of hard to plane break. So it's darting down and away, right? And then he's got a curveball that is a promising pitch. It's just really raw. It might be his second best pitch once he finishes developing it. It's just he didn't really have to use it a ton. And he leaned towards other pitches. And so you have the makings of a guy that could be, I mean, a number two. like. Number two, contending for a number one if he can fully develop the curveball. It's just, again, a little bit of effort in the, in the delivery. I worry about guys like him who are already, you know, higher, not high, but higher effort delivery guys who are moving from the uh, once a week throwing schedule in college to every five days in the pros. I think when you first get him in your system, you're going to see a step back at first of his stuff and his performance while he adjusts. But again, he's a really good athlete. And once he adjusts, I think Hurston Waldrop could explode through his system and rise really quickly and be a very bright shining star uh, for whatever organization takes him. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, Monday is the mailbag. If you have questions, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, prospects at gmail.com or Drop your questions in the Locked On Movie Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Until Monday's show, enjoy the weekend, and remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. <laughs>